Daily Drive is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses continue to work together to make a difference now and shape the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Schmidt with Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, August 16th. Making vehicles lighter has been a steadfast focus for automakers and suppliers for decades. Make vehicles lighter and they can go further, regardless if they are powered by gasoline, diesel, electricity, or something else. It's a pretty straightforward principle and one that continues to gain speed and grow in importance as the industry pushes towards electrification. According to Matt Zessen, automotive market manager for M. Holland Company, those small incremental reductions in weight achieved using lighter materials all add up to create meaningful gains on things like EV range. He also says the emergence of new materials and new technologies is creating opportunity to use lighter materials both inside and outside of the vehicle, which, particularly when it comes to new kinds of fabrics used on interiors, can also open the door to entirely new kinds of customer experiences while they drive or ride. Still, According to Zessen, there are implications across the value chain that automakers, suppliers, and dealers need to consider as the use of new, lighter materials increases and the industry pushes towards a product portfolio rich with EVs. For example, EVs will likely have longer life cycles, which means other materials used in the vehicle also need to match that durability. When it comes to service, new materials means dealers are going to need new tools and talent to maintain and repair vehicles where body panels increasingly may not be made out of metal. He also says there are implications to R&D, product development, supply chain management, and end-of-vehicle life recycling that needs to be considered. What are those, and what does increased use of lighter materials mean for passenger safety? We've caught up with Matt Zessen, Automotive Market Manager for M. Holland Company, in Northern Michigan. Matt, thanks so much for joining me today on the Daily Drive podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me. Thanks you for joining us. We've got a terrific conversation today to start the week, and that is on light weighting. Been around for decades, taking on new importance with the push to electrification. Why don't we start with giving our listeners an update of what's going on in the world of light weighting? What are the newest technologies? What are the latest materials that are emerging? Yeah, I think one of the coolest technologies that we have coming out is coming from the filled polypropylene suppliers. Um, it's a soft touch material, which, you know, it's a it's a filled propylene, so it's nothing new that we've seen. But the great part about it is that when you actually touch the material, it actually feels soft to the hands and actually gets rid of an additional liner um, that's used on the interiors of vehicles. So, I think that's a great technology. Um, it should help in the long term um, with the feel and haptics in the vehicles. And I think that's a great one. Another one that we're really looking at um, is with the battery technologies, right? Um, electric vehicles, as you said, are huge. Uh, and we're really looking at replacing some of the metal in those e vehicles to some different FR grade polypropylenes or FR grade nylons um, in different instances. So, really look at getting the light or light weighting and getting um, the most out of these different areas of the vehicle that we can, as you said. Um, also, we really do see a lot of move from um, 
the changing into plastics, right? And looking at old spots in the vehicle that hadn't been updated in some time and moving them into some different plastic materials um, as we've advanced into some different long glass polypropylenes uh, to give us the stiffness that we need. So really excited about those technologies. What was interesting in some of the the technologies and some of the areas of the vehicle that you just outlined is, at least in my mind, when folks talk about lightweighting, I think naturally they go to the outside of the vehicle, um, the frame, heavy com- engine components. But you're talking a little bit about that also happening inside the vehicle cockpit. What part of the vehicle holds the most opportunities these days to further drive down lightweight material, or is it a view of the entire vehicle? We have to be looking at these things throughout the vehicle. Well, I think the the place that has the most opportunity is obviously the newest area, right? As we move into the electric vehicle area, the one place that's brand new is the battery, right? And as the automotive companies move um, and they get more and more used to the different technologies. They look for different areas where they can lightweight those technologies. So with the battery being so new, um, they've already started moving it from a lot of metal into some of those plastic grades that I've talked about um, as we've advanced the batteries themselves. So I really see that as the area um, that will be the most impacted. Um, you know, one thing that people don't always recognize about uh, e-vehicles is they actually weigh more than an ICE vehicle. So, you know, with that, you've got heavy, heavy battery packs, and I think that's just going to be the area that's going to be attacked first. When I think of EVs and batteries, they go to metals, right? They're they're iron, they're cobalt, they're nickel, they're they're lithium, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think a lot about plastics. Can you talk a little bit about the application of plastics in electric vehicles in batteries and battery packs yeah you know one of the main areas that we're really seeing development in is um the actual tray itself the large battery tray that holds all these batteries in place in the floorboard so um you know with the increased use of flame retardant in um in plastics uh, you know, we really can advance into some of those areas and really lightweight those different areas. So that's the first place of attack that I see from, you know, the the suppliers themselves of plastics. And, you know, I think that as we continue, we'll just find more and more areas that uh, we can change. Is Industry 4.0 and specifically this push to 3D printing and additive manufacturing, how you work with these various materials, is that influencing some way, so in some way this, this expanded push and this expanded use of lighter materials? So I would say that with additive manufacturing, you're getting a little bit of a change. So the material suppliers are still trying to figure out exactly how they can advance the resins to really fit um, into additive manufacturing. But what you're really seeing, and what I see as the best thing about additive, is you're really able to combine a bunch of parts into one system. Um, Where you might have had to do a bunch of assembly before, you can actually just fully print out these different parts um, to really get lightweighting. You know, one area that I think of is hollowing out of parts and keeping the same amount of strength. So if you think of a full filled out 
uh, injection molded part, if you're able to, you know, take out that entire center and keep that exact strength, you know, you're going to save a lot of weight in the long term. So at the end of the day, I do see a push and I do see an area for where additive can play. Um, it's going to take some time to really fully function into the automo- into the vehicles themselves, but I think that we are getting there. So let's talk about material durability. Do these materials you know, have the same durability as uh, some of the traditional materials? And from a durability perspective, when you again, when you think about EVs and going further and longer, what are some things when you look at these different materials that that companies and other suppliers, your company and other suppliers are using? What are potential implications long term to durability, good and bad, when when using these different materials? Yeah, I think that's going to be the main focus that we have going forward uh, working with the different OEMs is if you think of a ve- of um, a current vehicle, right, uh, you've got all these different areas. And if there's, you know, too much wear and tear, you'll get whitening that comes to the surface from the talc and materials. What we're really going to have to see and change is as these vehicles stay on the road a lot longer and you have you know, different ride sharing applications, the interiors of these vehicles are going to change drastically and they are going to, you know, have to withstand the wear and tear of the additional mileage. So, you know, I think that's the main focus going forward is how can we change these interiors to make them stronger, um, but yet still have the light weighting that we need. So there's a lot of development happening towards that area. Um, and it's still relatively new um, as we're trying to get to harder surfaces so that scratching and different things don't take place as we as we you know utilize our interiors more. Let's stick with various areas of the value chain in this entire process, soup the nuts of designing and um, operating and maintaining vehicles that, Increasingly, it sounds like you're going to use some of these new, interesting, lighter materials. What's the implication for R&D and product development, speed of R&D, speed of product development, when you're thinking of adopting and applying some some of these materials you're talking about, more plastics, more lighter materials? I think that the speed of R&D, is, it's just going to take longer, right? Uh, the As we've seen, recently with our vehicles the life cycles are just lasting a little bit longer um and that's a lot due to you know the additional cost that's associated with producing a new vehicle um when you look at the r d and the time and everything that goes into um these vehicles that are on the on the road longer you're going to have to spend a lot more time on different areas of the vehicle that might have just been turned over from the previous model year Um, So I see a lot more happening in that uh, side of things. And then, you know, recently uh, we've just seen a lot more midlife uh, refreshes compared to a complete overhaul of a product um, itself. So with that, that's because of the cost associated with doing it and, you know, all the R&D that takes place to go into that. How about supply chain? If you're sitting in procurement, if you're uh, making the decisions around strategic sourcing, we're seeing a lot of supply chain risk and disruption, a lot of forecast for that, and particularly around battery materials as well. How does a switch to lighter materials or or more adoption of lighter materials, what kind of implications in the supply chain? So generally, we've got it pretty much figured out from the plastics side, right? We've been doing, we've 
use these different types of compounds and lightweight materials uh, for some time, other than what I would say is carbon fiber, which um, we've tried to Im implement, but getting carbon fiber can be expensive. Um, and when you're trying to reprocess carbon fiber, there's just not enough of it out there. So that's when, you know, from a supply chain risk, I see that being the risk um, side of things. But one of the areas that is an issue for us and has been an issue over the past couple of years is the changing of weather habits, um, such as hurricanes and freezes. As many people know, a lot of our plastics come from uh, down in the Texas areas, and those areas seem to be getting hit by hurricanes a lot. So when I look at supply chain risk and mitigation, um, you know, it's really focused on how can we get, how can we produce more materials be before we get into these heavy weather times and how can we get them into the right areas so that we can really uh, prevent the risk of shutting some, some of the industries down. Well, let's talk about the current supply chain risks we're seeing. You mentioned the storm in Texas. Obviously, the chip shortage continues to have implications on the industry. Is your organization and the world you live in being impacted by the chip shortage uh, question one. And question two, regardless of that, well, are you seeing opportunities based on what you're seeing around the chip shortage to change the way that you operate to create less risk to perhaps, um, you know, create a, 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 a more stable, more resilient supply chain? Said maybe a, a, a better way. Are there lessons that you're seeing around the chip shortage that are resulting in you changing operations at your organization? Yeah, you know, the chip shortage has really caused some issues and disruptions in the way that we act because there's a lot of unpredictability that surrounds it, right? If we have a plant that shuts down, if a, an OEM shuts down for, say, two weeks or we don't know what that time frame is going to be, we're sitting on, you know, resin that needs to be allocated to possibly another OEM, right? So we're really struggling with the chip shortage on how we allocate our residents to keep everybody running. Um, it's definitely something that we've learned a lot about, but until there's that predictability that comes back into um, the automotive industry and, you know, uh, a market that's not as tight on the pro or on the, on the polymer side, um, we're going to have to continue to just weigh out um, the best options and try to make sure that we keep everybody running as long as possible. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back with more. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses work together and continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and collaborative environment are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org slash radio. We talked about R&D. We talked about supply chain. We talked about material durability. Let's talk about repair and maintenance. At the end of the day, using these different materials likely means that folks in the service bay are going to have to think about working with those materials differently. Different facilities, maybe enhanced facilities, different type of talent, maybe different tools. 
What do dealers need to be thinking about now to ensure they have the tools, the talent to repair and maintain these vehicles using these lighter materials? Well, I definitely think that there's going to be a shift in the types of tooling that they need um, in their shops themselves, right? Um, whether that's moving, you know, to easier tools to use, I guess. Um, you know, you won't see as much steel on the exterior of the vehicle going forward. Um, I could see that being an area of light weighting uh, as we move more into the future. So if you think about it, uh, think about a plastic fascia, right? That The, the bumper system was moved from steel into plastic. Um, so you'll have, you won't have as many people working on bumping out steel or doing different things like that. You'll have, you know, a full system. And if there's a crack in that bumper, then, you know, it needs to be completely replaced. Uh, we could see in the future, whether a hood or a door panel moves into a plastic part, um, you're just going to be replacing that entire part instead of, you know, the more skilled labor labor that I would say it would cause to bump out um, an area. I'm curious from a recycling, a climate, a environmental protection point of view, do plastics and this push to light weighting, are there even further opportunities at end of use when it comes to those areas? Better recycling, more recycling, et cetera. You know, we, we're talking about climate and we're talking about environment around the product and operating the product i think there is a long history of a lot of the vehicle a lot of pieces of vehicles are highly recyclable when you think about use of plastics increased use in plastics do you have a point of view of how that might go down or, or go all the way down the chain to recycling and offering maybe some different opportunities some new opportunities there there's going to be a lot more recycling going forward. Um, when we look at our demand and the demand from the different OEMs on recycle, recycled content going into their vehicles, um, there's been a huge shift, obviously, uh, in, in, the entire in, in the entire automotive sector. Um, I think that, you know, that's going to go further down the chain. Um, you know, working with the different dealers on recycling some of their different parts, uh, the plastics, the plastic molders already are recycling and using their different materials to be recompounded and put back into their vehicles to get some of that recycled content and honestly less waste going into their vehicles and out of their out of their plants as a whole. So, you know, when I look at the end of the life of a vehicle um, and more and more of it being plastics and more. And, and knowing more of the different materials, uh, we're going to see a lot of those materials being repurposed and just recompounded um, because the OEMs are really, they're really pushing for it. They, they really want these recycled materials to go into their feed streams and into their products long term. We talked about EVs and how weight is a very important factor to range. But when I see things relative to light weighting, um, and one of the other roles that I have here at Automotive News is the director of our the PACE program, which is our annual innovation program, and even the applications that are in that process, there's certainly some that are using lighter materials. But the weight savings, when I read them, they seem small. 
they're half a pound, they're a pound, they're five pounds, and maybe small is 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 a matter of context. They seem small, perhaps in my my opinion, in my view. Do those small gains really matter when we're pushing to electric vehicles? Yes, they do. Because if you think of how long that electric vehicle stays on the road, right? It's staying on for a lot longer time to say 250,000 miles. We we don't really know where the limit is yet, right? So every additional pound that you can take out is going to help on uh, the distance traveled and distance traveled over time. You know, I don't exactly have the figures for how much, um, you know, taking a couple pounds out of an e-vehicle changes the distance. But, you know, on the old ICEs, 10% reduction in vehicle weight can result in about 8% savings on fuel economy. So when you look at it, you're just going to be able to travel further over all those all those miles, which is going to create a big a big change overall. It all adds up, and it's it amazing. It's amazing. So last question. All of this, at the end of the day, is about moving people safely, efficiency, efficiently, et cetera. When you think about lightweighting, when you think about carbon and these types of different materials that are increasingly being used in vehicles – can you talk about passenger safety? Uh, can you talk about how this perhaps uh, might enhance passenger safety? Um, are passengers going to any any sort of pullback in terms of the the safety of these lighter materials versus traditional metal based products? Can talk a little bit about passenger safety as we push this as we push towards lighter materials? So actually, when you think about it overall. Um, passengers are a lot more safe when they have plastic components in their vehicles compared to a steel or a metal, right? Um, When you look at the energy absorption, uh, when a vehicle is crashed, plastic can absorb some of that energy in a lot better way than, say, metal can. So, you know, when we've moved into some of these fiber-reinforced instrument panels, Um, you're actually seeing a lot more, uh, uh, see it being a lot safer for people because we do know how things are going to crack. We do, there's just a lot more predictability around it. Um, Also, if you think about it, as you continue to lightweight vehicles, um, all the vehicles on the road are getting lighter, which essentially if they're crashing into you, it's not going to be as much force behind that vehicle as say per steel. So, you know, when you actually think of it overall, um, passenger safety has really just gone up. And when we look at moving into the autonomous vehicle section, obviously the whole thing is to, you know, make everything more predictable, right? And move into more of a predictable environment, which will make passengers safer overall. Beyond that then, and, you know, I have to imagine some of these some of these new materials offer off also often offer different kinds of passenger experiences. With is that is that also within this realm? You know, you talk about autonomous, you talk about shared, and you talk about shared environments within the same vehicle. These types of materials are also offering a bit of personalization when it comes to that customer experience. You're going to see more and more personalization, uh, especially with additive, as we've talked about earlier today, right? Um, And, you know, with movement to autonomous vehicles down the road, 
people are going to be spending more and more of their of their time in their vehicles and not driving. They're going to be able to spend more time, say, working or doing different things, right? So I can just see the future of vehicles looking more and more like people's living rooms. They want to be comfortable in their vehicles. They're going to want, you know, some of their own styles put into their into their vehicles. So when I look, you know, down the road in plastics, you're going to see just a big change in what the consumer wants out of their vehicle. Matt, thank you so much for joining me today on the Daily Drive podcast and sharing your perspectives on what is going on in the world of automotive and lightweighting. I appreciate you taking a few minutes and spending some time sharing your perspectives with our listeners. Thanks so much, Steve. That's Daily Drive for Monday, August 16th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash Daily Drive. As always, thanks for listening and have an amazing week.